Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, welcome in, Buck fans. Welcome to a losing edition, a five and, five and six, six record, record edition, edition of the No Quarter no Given, Given podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa, along with Peter Blake. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Yeah, very, very disappointing uh, because it certainly seemed like for the majority of the game, the Bucks were going to win it. But uh, once again, bad coaching decisions, clock management becoming an issue, penalties, Guys not performing up to snuff. I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. It seems like we talk about on this podcast. It's Groundhog Day. <laughs> Bucks lose 23-17 in overtime in Cleveland. First time Cleveland scored a game-winning touchdown in overtime, I think since 1991, from I think the stat I saw. And you could tell there at the end, Cleveland had no interest in kicking a field goal to, to end it in overtime. They easily could have kicked a field goal couple of different times once they got to inside the you know the five yard line or so uh again we make plays we the, we had the, we had them at fourth and 10 with 30 seconds left in the game they have to score a touchdown give david and joku credit give, give jacoby Brissett credit he makes a hell of a one-handed catch devin white wasn't in great position he was kind of down by his ankles i don't know if he stumbled or what happened but he didn't. He wasn't in great position. But again, given Joku credit, he made a great catch on an on a on a high throw from Brissett in the Cleveland Browns force overtime. I thought they were going to go for two. They don't. They kick the extra point. The Bucks flubbed the last twenty five seconds or so. Don't even give themselves a legit chance to kick a field goal. Going to the you you, you take a timeout to overtime, which was just embarrassing kind of clock management. And again, we, you and I have talked. We thought clock management and the and the head coaching responsibilities we weren't sure if Todd Bowles was up to it when the year started and yesterday was a glaring weakness for Todd Bowles that was probably his worst performance of the year when it came to clock management at the most critical time and it's one of the many reasons why the Jets let him go in the first place right I mean 24 and 40 his record there we were thinking you know what it's the talent but the clock management situation yesterday was pitiful and then the explanation today I was worried that the quarterback would throw an interception. It's Tom Brady's three weeks removed from bringing this team back. What do you go? 65 yards and 30 seconds at Raymond James Stadium to beat the Rams. I mean, this is the reason why you get Tom Brady in the first place is for the fourth quarter comebacks. And you're trying to tell me, Todd Bowles, that you basically have no confidence in your offense going forward. Duly noted. Tom Brady had a streak, a historic streak that was broken yesterday as well. He had gone, and I didn't even know this, and I don't think anybody knew this, 218 straight games in his career where he had been up by a touchdown. His team had been up a touchdown in the last two minutes, and he had never lost, ever, till yesterday. 
games and the Bucs are the one. He, uh, the Bucs may have a losing record this year, may not even make the playoffs. I still think they have hope to win in this division, but they may have a losing record probably the first time in Tom Brady's career besides, you know, his, I believe it was the second year uh, there after they won the Super Bowl. They, they were 7-9. and nine. They had the Super Bowl hangover. It's just so many things, and I talked about this yesterday on my show, so many great things with this team and so many awful. It almost feels like Bruce Arians again talking about Jameis Winston. This is what this team is this year. You know, you, you get some momentum with the offense, and then you can't establish anything. Nine, three, and out. That's not going to get it done at the end of the day. And then on top of it, it wears at your defense. And I get it, your defense has to make a play, but you feel bad for them because they have no help all day long. You have a coach that's not confident in his offense. He's not only scared of throwing an interception in the fourth quarter, they're late, but he's also worried about being at the 37-yard line. You don't go for fourth down. You don't go for a field goal. You decide to punt the ball and depend on your defense. With And if you kind of look at it, you really don't have confidence in your defense. You don't have confidence in your whole team at this point because if you go for it on fourth down and you feel like your defense is that strong, they can stop anybody on any field. And at the end of the day, it's just clock management, Let's go. We're, let's go through the game. Let's we'll, let's go through the game a little bit. Yeah. So Cleveland goes right down the field and scores. Jump out seven nothing. Nice job by the Bucks to respond. Hits Godwin. Godwin had a big day yesterday. Over t- uh, 10, 10 plus catches, over hundred yards and a touchdown. He actually looked very spry, very healthy. He looked like he he was getting some separation. A lot of catches over the middle, which I liked. He's your classic slot guy again, which I like that. Uh, the Bucks. You know, back and forth, 10-7, 10-10. Then the Bucks get the lead, 17-10. You're thinking, okay, here's here's your chance to extend the lead. And, and my thought was if they could get to a second score, if you get up double digits, the game's probably over because the defense played pretty well, and the Cleveland does not have the kind of prolific offense that's going to be able to put up 30 points. So you're thinking if you could get up 20-10 to 10 or 24-10, the game is probably over. And again, to me, a pivotal moment in that game was nine minutes to go, fourth quarter. Bucks are up 17-10, fourth and two on the Cleveland 37. You can't punt there. Your no, defense is playing good. Even right. if you don't make it, they still got to go 65 yards to tie the game. You can't punt there. You have to trust Tom Brady to get two yards. They've been doing okay. You hadn't been moving the ball much. You can't punt there. And then he punts the ball in the end zone, Camarda which basically turns into a 17-yard play, you can't do that. That To me, that was dis- disastrous decision number one, punting fourth and two. Yeah, you pump fourth and two, and you take the penalty. It backs you up five yards. I get it. I, I, I don't get it because, again, you have an explosive offense. You have all these weapons. You were somewhat successful with running Rashard White outside, maybe not necessarily inside, but outside. I would take my chances on that because at the end of the day, if you feel like your defense is top-notch, they're the supposed grave diggers, which consequently they've been digging themselves a hole with some of the penalties this year and some of the tackling they had yesterday. If you feel like they're a top-notch defense, then they should be able to stop them. And instead, you don't. You, you decide to go conservative. And, Jason, this is the reason we, why you don't talk. hire a defensive-minded coach in the National Football League these days because of that mindset of being conservative and he was asked today at the press conference if he feels like his offense is conservative. He goes, well, you look back in hindsight, it, it, you know, it's easy to do. No, your offense is conservative. You went from an offense that's scoring 
over 30 points a game, having no trouble in the red zone, just scoring 17 to 20. What are we talking about? Of course it's conservative. And you saw the frustration on Brady's face on fourth and two. Remember, Buck fans, they tried to draw him off sides. They stayed out on the field, took the delay. To me, that's a situation if you're Tom Brady, and we've seen Peyton Manning do this to Tony Dungy. He waves off the punt team. We're not punting here, fellas. We're trying to put the game away right here. We're going to convert and at worst get a field goal. You put again if it's twenty to ten with nine minutes with seven minutes to go in the game, the game's over. They're not scoring twice to to get back in the game. To me, that's and again if you're Byron Leftwich, get in the ear of Todd Bolt. We're going here, Todd. Let's go. I know Todd's the head coach, but you got to have you got to have some conviction if you're Byron Leftwich or Tom Brady to say, Todd, we're going for it right here. How about Tom Brady? How about Tom Brady have the conviction and say, you know what? We're going for it. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get this momentum because the very next possession, they have a fourth and three and they punt again. And again, I don't have a problem punting. As the game gets longer and longer, I don't have a problem because they punted from what, the 50, something like that. I don't have a problem doing that when you, when there's four minutes left in the game, because that's, that's, you got to make Cleveland go 90 yards or whatever it is to tie the game. I don't have a problem with that one. But you can't punt fourth and two with nine minutes to go in the game, and you're up a touchdown. You I mean, can't you do can't that. get two, three yards. I mean, this is what we're talking about with the offense this year. This is how bad and putrid and just, uh, you know, somebody texted me today. It's a clown show. So we get to the two-minute warning. The Again, they did a decent job balling up Chubb. Chubb did not have a monster game. He had a run late and, you know, regulation of 20-yard run or whatever to get them to the 10-yard line, 11, 12, whatever. I think it was first and goal. like First and 10 from, like, the 12, I think. Well, they still give up 100 yards rushing. Yeah, okay, but but again, he's an elite. He's the he's the best running back in the league, I think. Right. So I think if you give up 100, you can live with that. They didn't give up 150. They didn't get gashed all day. At first and 10 at the 12, and right around the two minute warning, you have to play both sides of this if you're the Buccaneers and you're Todd Bowles. You have to you have to use your timeouts because if you stop them, the game's over. Cleveland yeah. doesn't have. I think they had one timeout left. You stop them at, with a minute 30 left, you win the game. They, they, there's not enough time. But you have to play both sides of this. What if they score? We have to leave the offense a minute, minute 15, minute 20 left to go down and kick a field goal. You cannot let the ru- the clock run down to 30 seconds to fourth down. You can't do that. His explanation was, we just want to let them play. Well, you they can't did. do they that. Played. They beat you. They, they beat you. Uh, and then on top of it, which compounds things, which I know you want to get to, the more time you play, the more opportunities somebody can get hurt. And sure enough, who gets hurt, Jason Powers? Tristan Wirfs gets down. But going back to let's go back to that, though. Here's the other reason why you call timeouts. One is you can really think about what you want to do schematically, defensively. Two, you can have your premier pass rushers with a break every play with a 30-second to gather themselves or whatever, to me, that's the Bucks defense had been on the field a long time that game. You give Levante, you give Devin White, you give the corners another minute break to get their breath and to get their, you know, mind together by calling those timeouts. And you give the offense, no matter what happens, you're going to give the offense at least a minute, minute 15 to do something offense if they do tie the game. That's like an eternity to Tom Brady, right? Yes. I mean, we've seen him work with less time. That's an eternity for this offense. And again, it goes back to coaching. It's one of the missing ingredients to this offense and, and to this whole team this year. People were asking, 
you know, are, are they, but again, that's not, that's not an assistant coach's decision that that falls on Todd Bowles. Yes. There's nobody else. That's not an offensive line coach in that situation. Do you think Bruce Arians today is coming out and saying we were afraid that somebody is going to throw in there? No, he's risking no risk it. No biscuit at the end of the day. He's not going to allow that to happen. That's the difference between a two-time coach of the year, Super Bowl champion, and a guy who got fired from the New York Jets having a record of 24 and 40. Clock management, you know, that is the problem also with getting a coordinator. Yes, he's a great defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, he's not good. And he's you make good. the comment, you make the comment, we don't want Tom to throw an interception, but on the second play after with 25 seconds left after the first down play of eight or ten yards, the second play you throw an 18, 20-yard ball to Julio. If you, if you were risking throwing an interception, you wouldn't do that. You would have run a screen play or some underneath route. That's a, You don't throw an 18-yard ball that Tom – great throw into, cup, into, a, into, into a tight window. Julio comes down with it. Yeah. But, I mean, you would have ran one of those screens that you run uh, 30 times a game that gets you about one or two yards. I mean, that's yeah, what I, I, I'm about tired of the wide receiver I'm screen. I'm, I'm about tired of the wide receiver screen. screen. I'm done running uh, on first down. I'm just – I've had enough because I'm telling you right now, there's a prop bet out there, uh, Las Vegas. If there's a, a prop bet that the Bucks are going to run on first down, I'm taking that money and running because they're going <laughs> to run on first down. And every defensive coordinator and team in the National Football League knows it. That is called not being creative, not using all the weapons that you have. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of Bucks fans out there who are just tired of seeing this. There's too much talent, Jason Powers, for this team to be a five and six and struggling, not only in the red zone, but offensively in both categories, passing and running. How surprised are you that Mike Evans and Tom are just not on the same page? They've been together three years now. I mean, it's just to me, it's very, I mean, again, there's clearly much better chemistry between Tom and Godwin. Right. Clearly. For some reason, Evans and Tom, especially on these intermediate routes, there's always they're always looking back at each other on an incomplete pass, like, hey, I wasn't thinking this. What were I don't I just I'm not understanding what, what they're seeing or not seeing. They've been such a prolific combination the last two and a half years. I'm just really surprised that they're still having these struggles getting on the same page. I mean, is Evans hurt? Has he lost a step? Uh, are there hurt feelings there in the locker room? Do they need to go out and have a couple beers out in Ybor City? You know, like you were telling me not to do a couple weeks ago. <laughs> do, they, do, they, do they need to hug it out? Do they need to go on the high school football field like they did when Brady got here yep. and developed that chemistry? Because it's inexcusable, Jason Powers, for somebody to be targeted nine times, only have two catches, and you're constantly seeing overthrows or miscommunication. It's week 12. Let's right. go. Right. And, and, and I'll say this about the running game. They ran it 20. I think they ran it 20 times in the game. First couple series, Rashad White busts off a couple good runs. I mean, so they were they had a little oppor- some opportunities. They made a, a little bit of hay in the running game. Again, I don't have a problem with running it 20 times. They ran it a decent amount. Can't kill them for that. But the short yardage continues to be problems. Third and one, blown up in the backfield. Where has the quarterback sneak gone? I know Tom's 45 and doesn't want to get hit, but he doesn't. He, you, you're not taking major hits on these quarterback sneaks. You're just putting your head down, getting behind your guard and center, and you're getting a yard. That's the part I don't understand. Where is that part of the of the offense? And again, I don't. This may be Tom telling Byron, "Hey, don't call sneak. I don't know." 
but you got to call a quarterback sneak every once in a while. You got to call the quarterback sneak because it was successful in this game right before halftime, which, by the way, the analyst of the game, Jonathan Vilma, kept on saying, I hate this call. I hate this call. The Bucs were successful. Of course, it leads to a field goal, and he continues to say, I hate that call. I don't know what he's talking about. There's a reason why Jonathan Vilma isn't a coach in the league, but you're exactly right. It absolutely works. Maybe there's not a lot of confidence in that interior line. I wouldn't doubt it. Of course, thank God you don't have to run to the left side because Donovan Smith couldn't block uh, Miles Garrett for uh, some of that game yesterday. Completely uh, just awful. Uh, but you're exactly right. You're having problems with that situation. I don't understand how you can have problems with it. I mean, it, there's it, third and one, third and two should be a gimme. That is the reason why you're doing what you're doing to set down those third downs to get to that manageable situation. And if you can't accomplish that, then there's a problem. And it comes to me, comes back to not only being creative, but also effort on the offensive line. That offensive line has to move somebody. They got to get that penetration. They can't lose at the line of scrimmage. And it certainly seems like they've lost a lot uh, when it comes to uh, those downs this year. So we get to overtime. Tristan Wirfs gets carted off. It sounds like it's a high ankle situation, which yeah, okay. is probably going to be three to four weeks at a minimum. Maybe you get them back in the last game of the regular season, maybe the last two, but that's not going to be a one or two week injury. That's if it's a high ankle sprain, that's going to be three, four weeks. Who do you see going to right tackle? Josh Wells, Brandon Walton. What do you, what do you see the bucks doing at right tackle? Pray. Uh, I mean, uh, at this, at the end of the day, divine intervention. I mean, is it Luke uh, Gedeke who played right tackle? Is it Josh Wells? Is it uh, uh, Brandon uh, Walton? And, uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to be even more creative. Now, uh, you're losing your best offensive lineman. You're going to have to chip tight ends. I mean, where's Kate? Yeah. What do you do in that situation? The offensive line has already struggled with all these changes. Now you lose Tristan Wirfs. I don't know. I honestly right. have no idea at this point. I feel like it's only going to get worse from here. And, and I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to talking about the Tampa Bay sure. Buccaneers. But I got to be honest, this – Offensive line has been a dumpster fire all year long, and I don't think it's going to get any better without your best offensive lineman. So the Bucks go to five and six. They're fortunate. Everybody in the division still loses again. Atlanta goes down in Washington. New Orleans gets beat. Carolina wins, so they're up to four. I think four and eight for them. They got a bye week this week, so technically they're one game out of first. Atlanta's, uh, you know, five and seven now. So the Bucks are still in first place. If you're the Bucks, I would not even talk about the record. The record is meaningless. We're gonna if we make the playoffs, we're gonna be the four seed. Know that. To me, this is not about a record. It's not about pleasing the fans. Oh, we won nine games, ten games. It's about figuring out a way in the next six weeks to get your act together. You don't have to be playing great football for the next six weeks. You got to be playing good football the last three weeks, in my opinion. This is a this is a league about streaks. Hot teams win in January. I know we've not been up to up to snuff for the first 12 weeks. I get it. But if you can get together the last three weeks of the season, figure out a way to win that division, I think there's still an opportunity for the Bucs to do some damage in the playoffs. Do they yeah. go to the Super Bowl? Who knows? But I, are you going to – Bucks hosting Dallas in wild card weekend or Bucks hosting the Giants? But I don't – it's probably going to be Dallas. Dallas or Philadelphia most likely. Probably wow. Dallas. Do you not think we could win the game against Dallas? Yes, I think you can win. It's a winnable game. Yes, it's a very winnable game. Even though Dallas is playing much better, Dak Prescott is still Dak Prescott. 
that defense is too inconsistent. They don't run the ball enough. Sound familiar? It does. It kind of is a mirror image of the Bucks, but of course Dallas has gotten better. And the but Bucks the Bucks were very good against the Dallas defense in Week One. They, they did everything but score touchdowns. They moved the ball up and down the field against that Dallas defense. Yeah, and you got to have Tristan Wirfs back by then. And I feel like that was the major injury last year that hurt them. You can go without Chris Godwin. You can go without Antonio Brown. But once you lost Tristan Wirfs, you saw the end result of that against the Rams. So you got to get him back healthy. But absolutely, what what if the Bucks went seven and ten? They get a high first round draft pick. They still make the playoffs, and who knows if they get eliminated or they go a little bit. I mean, wouldn't that be something? I mean, wouldn't the NFL have to look at changing uh, the rules at that juncture? But it's possibility because this division is so bad right now. And you play the Saints and basically can put the Saints out of their misery. Yeah. Nail them to the coffin. Atlanta inconsistent doing Atlanta things when it comes to defense. The Carolina Panthers mean they have an interim coach. They don't know who their quarterback is week to week. Sam Darnold, uh, Blake, yep. Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, Jake uh, DeLome. Who knows who the quarterback there is in Carolina at the end of the day. So it's definitely a winnable division. But also, you have to you have to clean up this stuff that you continue to do. Nine penalties against the Browns, yeah, not good. Can't get your defense off the field because your offense can't sustain drives. I mean, it, it's just complete disaster at this point. And look at the teams, Jason Powers, that you've lost to on the road this year. Winnable games: the Steelers with a rookie quarterback, yeah, yep. the Panthers after getting rid of Christian McCaffrey and having a, a third string quarterback and a new coach, yeah. And now you have the Cleveland Browns who are waiting on Deshaun Watson. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, again, if you're the Bucks, I mean, if you're again, Tom Brady and the Bucks, Todd Bowles. I think if you're Todd Bowles, you have to admit to your team, I screwed this up with the clock. My bad. Put it on me. He'll never admit it publicly, but you, hopefully he's he's told them behind the scenes, hey, I F this one up. It's on me. Uh, I, you know, my my bad. I didn't like the comment about I don't want to be throwing the ball. That's not a good comment to be making. I don't know why he said that publicly, but uh, you know, does that does that piss off Tom Brady? I mean, does that maybe maybe does go to Bulls? Does he go over top of Bulls to the Glazers and say, "Hey, this is not going to work if you want me back next year"? I'm just saying, we know Tom Brady. Okay, yep. you know he doesn't like to be called out, and you know Bulls basically called him out. So we don't have confidence in you. Uh, come on, this is a and guy. He- and to be honest, he missed some throws yesterday. He missed sure. a couple of he sure. missed a couple of throws that he normally makes. Right. You know, the one up the seam to Godwin to me was the most glaring one that he missed. Oh. Godwin was open for about twenty five yards, yep. and he just airmailed it. I mean, but that's a throw he's typically right on the money. But again, I'm not going to blame it all on Tom. I mean, Tom again, he's not turning the ball. It's not like we're turning the ball over multiple times a week. We're not fumbling. We're not throwing interceptions. We're just struggling on third and threes, third and fours. And that's the part. Somehow, some way, you got to get fixed in the next three to four or five weeks. Yeah, and he had some comments tonight on his podcast saying, you know, he's in for it. He knows it's a challenge. He's here to play, even though it's a struggle right now. So he's all in. I think, you know, that yep. stuff, the distraction is still weighing on him at the end of the day because he is a human being. But you have to put that aside. You have to continue to start doing your job a little bit better. And Brady, for the majority of the game, was accurate. But, again, he did miss some critical throws at critical times. And you just can't have that happen because this Bucks team is not good enough to overcome it. They're not. You're right. You're right. Not right now. You're right about that. I, but I still think there's a run in the Bucks. Somehow a three-, four-week run where they get it together 
And I know, you know, we'll probably be in, we, we, we got too much pewter in our eyes probably, but I think there, this team is too good and got too many good players not to put a three or four week run together here to make it interesting as we, as we get to, as we get to Christmas and new year. So I think we're just calling it as we see it, you know, I agree. I mean, you have to be on, you have to be fair and honest at the moment right. today, they've right. not put it together, but I think there's a three or four, again, the schedule, if they can somehow split San Francisco and Cincinnati, that's going to be a tough two game stretch there. You could split those two, not expecting to win both, figure out a way to split those beat Atlanta, beat Carolina, Got Arizona on Christmas Day, and you got and you got New Orleans Monday night. That's sure. four wins that you you gotta get. You gotta go four and two the rest of the way, and you'll win this division. Absolutely, you'll win the division easily, and that's the challenge. You you gotta rise to it, and and I agree with you. I think they still have a run. I just it's coaching, man. It, this coaching is just it, it's it, not it, been ideal. I agree with no, that. Nope. Not All right, listen. No quarter given podcast, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. I'm Jason along with Peter. No montage this week, Peter. So if, if Buck fans, if you want to hear the montage of the New Orleans Saints, go go to go back to our previous episodes when we had the New Orleans Saints. I, what did we play then? Week one? Yeah, yeah week one. We, we were in week one in New Orleans. Well, yep. Was, was it week two or week one? No, week two. We went to Dallas week one. You're right. Yes. My bad. Week, week two, and they and they come up with a victory. Of course, the controversy, Marshawn Lattimore and – uh, Bruce Arians on the sideline, and then Mike Evans yep. defending Tom Brady. Yeah, and then uh, Lattimore yeah. hasn't played in a while. We don't know what his status is for Monday night coming up. He's Would been be out for quite a while, but right. it, maybe that's a maybe that's a break. If we can catch a break with no Lattimore, maybe that opens up Mike Evans and gets him out of his funk. Because I just don't see a lot of explosion coming out of Mike running the routes for whatever reason. Again, we don't know who knows what, the, what if there's any issues physically. Is he injured? Does he have a hamstring injury? Is it the ribs? I mean, what I is it? Because they got to get on the same page. And if Lattimore does play in this game, we know that he gets in Mike Evans' head every matchup. So it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. You're going to have to depend on not only Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. Where Let's was get Kate Otten? Let's get Kate Otten and back in the at? mix. What? Where was he at? I agree. Let's let's get him back in the mix again. The Saints are the the Saint. This is where you put the the nail in the coffin of the Saints. They're they're ripe for the taking. Andy Dalton's not playing well. The offense is not good in New Orleans. Their defense is still pretty good. They they go down to the 49ers thirteen to nothing. So they hold the 49ers in check for the most part. But the offense is a disaster. Kamara fumbled twice. Again, if, you, if you're looking for the montage, go back to week two, or you can go to Buck Power TV on YouTube, and you can see Paul's video montage of the Saints from back in week two. We will have a montage next week as we go to San Francisco for you, but uh, no need to have another montage with the Saints when we've already done one. So, again, buckpower.com for all of your Buccaneer history over the years, anything you need. There were some. I'm trying to think. There was a couple of birthdays this last week. Every couple. game, every player out there. Paul Stewart does a phenomenal job. Tried to get him on the sports web yesterday, but I was just so passionate. We had so many calls, couldn't get him on. Yep. But we'll get him on next week. Well, not next week because it's a primetime game. Can't do that. So maybe the week afterwards. But uh, yeah, Paul does a great job with BuckPower.com. You got it. All right, let's let's preview New Orleans here. Obviously, the Bucks go to New Orleans in week two and win. You know. When you look back at the schedule, they go to they go to Dallas and go to New Orleans, win the first two on the road. You're thinking the Bucks are off and flying, and mm. then the and then the struggles began. That's when the struggles with the with the Kansas City and Green Bay home games and all that, and it's just been ongoing ever since. What do you see in this New Orleans game Monday night? 
Probably, I think it's the no. They got the Christmas night game, which is prime time. But the I think the last Monday night game of the year, Raymond James Stadium. Do you think the lights of the national TV audience? You got Aikman and Buck will be in the house. What do you think the? Uh, you, do you think the motivation of prime time will help this Buccaneer team get over the hump? And again, it's not about not about running the table. You got to win the division and be the four seed. That's where you're going to be. Yeah, I mean, coming off a bye week, having a week's rest or two weeks rest, do you think it would be a better effort? So where's the motivation? It has to be there because we know that the Saints have clearly dominated this team besides this year, but in the regular season. And who wants to lose another stinker to the Saints? Who wants to lose uh, like you did last year, 9 to nothing? Who wants to lose the year before 38-3 to right. to the Saints on prime time? Nobody wants to do that. So at the end of the day, yes, there should be motivation. Yes, this is a must-win game. Yes, right now the Saints are struggling with the quarterback situation. Is it going to be Andy Dalton? Could we re- uh, see the Jameis. Uh, return of Jameis Winston, the human turnover machine, have something to prove? Who knows at this juncture? But right now the Saints, believe it or not, even with their awful record, are still in this division race. So you have to take this game I uh, just serious. Back to the old, yeah, you got to take it serious. You got to take it one game at a time. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, Monday night football, it wouldn't shock me if Jameis Winston got a start here. This would be the perfect motivation if you're if you're Dennis Allen. Mm-hmm. Start him in his homecoming. You know, we obviously saw the antics a couple years, you know, a couple years ago with the finger, licking the fingers and all that stuff. But again, if you're looking for a spark for the Saints offense in Tampa Monday night, maybe this is the, the way they go. Give the Buccaneer defense credit. They they played pretty good in Cleveland. Had some several sacks. Still no turnovers. But again, you got to be solid on the defensive side and make them earn it because they don't have a lot of weaponry in the offense in New Orleans. You got you got Alave and you got Alvin Kamara as your only real threats on the offensive side. And we know the question is, uh, Worfs is not going to play in this game. What about Antoine Winfield Jr.? Because we know how different this defense is. Yep. So once again, you may be short-handed versus the Saints and you know who knows what kind of injury they have we know that they're not going to have Michael Thomas Alave is he going to play in this game I mean they still have some weapons Alvin Kamara you have to be concerned with I liked what I saw from that Bucks defense line even though they gave up 100 rushing yards you had Keon O'Neal get a sack you had Devin White get a sack who right now you look at his numbers they're comparable to Brian Urlacher with 20 sacks and 400 tackles it's amazing manipulate the stats all you want to but at the end of the day he's in the same conversation so he can take over games maybe this is where he does that um so they got to do something they got to create some turnovers and maybe just maybe Jameis Winston starting for the Saints will do that maybe they'll throw a couple pick sixes he's done it before why not do it again and hopefully Vita Vea got through the game okay with his foot injury I know there was a lot of question whether he was going to play last week how do you get hurt on a bye week I mean what, what yeah well when you weigh 370 it doesn't take one bad step of doing something, one awkward step that you can hurt yourself. I mean, what was he doing? That's what I want to know. Was he out in Ebor City again? Were you, were you taking him out to Ebor City? No, Peter. I blame, Peter. I, blame, I blame you for this Ebor City thing. You were throwing me underneath the bus <laughs> a couple of weeks ago saying, I go out to Ebor City. Here's what you didn't say. You're the driver, my friend. You're what uh, what Warren Sapp and Chris Carter used to say. You're the driver there. You're the guy that's taking me around. We're going to Ebor City together. You're just not saying it. You're making me the fall guy. No, I got I got all these reports. Yeah. I got all the reports from you that you were at the Gentleman's Club. Were you at the Gentleman's <laughs> Club of Tampa on Dale Mabry and over there on West Shore? 
was was Vita Vea out there with, with big you with, were you and Big Vita up in the VIP room getting your swerve on? I have no idea, but I when I saw that injury, I was like, How? What did he do? Did he fall out of bed? What was he chasing his dog? I mean, what was he doing? How did he get hurt? I mean, this has been this kind of year, snake bitten here on uh on the no quarter given podcast all right give me a prediction let's get out of here uh i guess 20 to 17 tampa bay i i don't know you know i <laughs> I, I always say 27 to this and 24 this i i can't see this team score more than 17 points and until they show me and i'm saying 20 points yeah. at this juncture so until they show me something consistent it's going to be low scoring affair 2017 tampa bay i'll go 24 to 10 will be your final Monday night football Aikman and Buck here. Um, you know, they got, they finally got off of Thanksgiving by the way, which is nice. Huh? Right. Joe, Joe and Troy had on Thanksgiving off. That's right. right. Yeah. So, all right, Peter Blake, tell me where they can find all your great work, man. Yeah. It's the evolution of sports talk television. It's the sports web live on Monday and Wednesday nights at nine o'clock. And I love St. Pete, the hub. And of course, amped up sports do three things as we're amped up here even on a losing edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. Bring your passion. Bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. Who you like in the college football playoff? You know what? I'm biased. And uh, when this becomes a family affair, I'm going to take Michigan to, uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to take Michigan to face Georgia in the national championship game. And guess what? Well, you're really going out on a limb there, one and two in the country. You're really going out on a limb there. Uh, after a they... lot of people didn't respect Michigan to even be. Well, they Ohio smacked State. Ohio State. They did. And and mom was happy about that. So mom's happy. Son's happy. I, you know what? I like Michigan to, uh, to face Georgia. And who knows? Maybe win the national championship with that running game, with the improved quarterback play. Jim Harbaugh have something to prove. Georgia, yeah, they've been top notch this year. But I, I don't know. Maybe not the same team they were last year. Just saying. And how, how many? All right, a couple more things. I'll get out of here. How many? How many uh, plates? How many plates at Thanksgiving for Peter Blake? Uh, it wasn't that much because the turkey was not good. But I tell you what was on point. We talked about it. The mashed potatoes and gravy and the yams were unbelievable. The turkey, not so much. I don't know. We got one of those green wise turkeys from like. We didn't have a good turkey either at my house. Our turkey was not very good either. It's dry. I'm over turkey at this juncture. I didn't even have it. I had one piece of it, put it in my mouth and wanted to spit it out. I was full. I was done because I ate sausage and cheese all day long with crackers. And I was waiting for this turkey to be made. And it finally got made. And it was awful. I ate all the carbs. I carved up. Did you make fun of mom's gravy? Didn't you make fun of mom's gravy last year? I did not make fun of mom's gravy because mom would be right in the back of me, hitting me (laughs) right across the head. So I didn't do that. I didn't want to have that. Smart man. That's it. Smart man. Yes. Yes. Thanksgiving was good at the Powers household. Yes, you're right. There was something, there was some issue with the turkey as well at our place. It got cooked okay, but I don't, there was some, I'm not the biggest turkey eater anyway, but but the, the turkey was disposed of quickly after the meal. There's no leftovers from turkey, but the side plates were the mashed potatoes, the uh, the green bean casserole was fantastic. Oh, yeah, had a little had a little tiramisu for dessert. Okay, very good, very good. So no, no complaints. But uh, one plate, Peter, huh? Yeah, one play, Peter. It was it was surprising, but again, you know, it was uh, it was the reason why I had that. It's because it was all day sausage and cheese, sausage and cheese. And I started at like 1130. So by 1130, the, the second game when the turkey was on the table, 
I was pretty much stuffed, and I was you know drinking all this soda, so I couldn't eat anything but carbs. And then later on, I had some pumpkin pie with whipped cream. That's about it. But as long as as far as turkey, a green wise turkey, it's crap. I don't care how healthy <laughs> it is. Give me a real turkey. Give me a real whopper. Give me a real everything. I don't care about that stuff. I think wise. Let's give me a, a turkey, man. I think next year. I th- I'm serious. I think next year we're, we're going with a deep fried turkey. That's it. I'll go with a deep fried turkey or just go out. Or a turducken. Everybody yeah. keeps hyping up the turducken. I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that turducken <laughs> stuff. I love John Madden and Pat Summerall, but all they did is talk about turducken and they were sitting there on. I don't know. It doesn't look very good to me. And then I would try it once. I would try it. Maybe, but Madden was sticking his hand in there, you know, a couple of times. It was just making me sick. Some hand san- we need some hand sanitizer for yeah. John. Eat something, man. Stop taking your hand and putting it in a turducken. I love you, John Bannon, but that was not a good look. That was making me sick when I was trying to eat my sausage and cheese at the table. All right, last thing. Does, does the USA beat Iran in the World Cup on Tuesday? I hope so. I don't. I, I mean, the way USA has played against the uh, Wells and England. and how They actually played pretty good against England. Yes, they yes. played very well, just didn't yes. score. You yeah. have to beat Iran. And yeah. I know a lot of you guys will be listening to this after the game's already over. But you have to beat Iran to get yes. to the knockout stage. I'm sorry. You have to. You have to beat Iran. So, yes. Yes, they get through. They beat Iran. They shock the world. I think Gio Reyna, remember that name. I think Gio Reyna scores the game winner tomorrow on Tuesday, 2 okay. o'clock. Show some nationalism, Peter Blake. Put it on the laptop. Fox, uh, prime time at 2 o'clock Eastern time. You better be watching USA Iran, Peter Blake. Should I put a bet on it? Should I go to Ybor City afterwards? Is that you, the, I know your ladies of the, your ladies of the <laughs> night like Ybor City, so that probably actually that would probably be a good place to watch the game tomorrow. There will yeah, probably be some restaurants open. Oh yeah, yeah, over there in West Shore, you, you know all about those clubs. Lunch, all you can eat buffet at lunch for you, Peter Blake, West Shore. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's his name, Christian? Um. Christian Watson from Green Bay. He's a Tampa kid, Tampa plant, no, 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 high school. Not him. I wasn't hanging out with him. I'm talking about the soccer player. Is it uh, Pulisic? Pulisic. Is it? Is it? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. Pulisic. Christian that's, Pulisic. Pulisic. Whatever. That, yes, that's the guy that's going to score tomorrow. All right. Maybe we need two. One's not enough. We need two. Reyna yeah. and Pulisic. Yes. Pulisic. Especially, especially if they play defense like the Bucks did against the Browns. All right, here we go, Peter Blake. Have a great weekend, Buck fans. We'll see you next week after a better, it better be six and six. Remember, we will have this uh, Monday Night Football ESPN. Peter Blake and I will be in team watching play by play. See you next week on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Have a great week, Buck fans. Let's go. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.